Hello out there, everybody, and welcome to a really disorganized Gemini-style uh, conversation between me and Amalia. Uh, welcome to the Stallion and the Hair Astrology Podcast. Uh, we are talking about eclipse season. That's right, it is eclipse season. And we are going to be discussing the full moon partial penumbral lunar north node eclipse that's going down at eight degrees in Gemini on November the 30th. But before I get any further, uh, I am Joan Emerson Bell of Camp Wizard Camp. And I am joined, as always, by the extraordinary astrologer Amalia Scott of The Hair and the Moon. Hi, Amalia. Hi, Jonah, and hi, everybody. Um, I really appreciate this introduction. Um, yeah, we've been having a pretty funny time trying to get this off the ground, which I think might actually also just be that like Eclipse Portal is opening and it's like, whoa, 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 and our heads are just kind of in accordion style, like, what is linear time? Um, yeah, so uh, we're just going to do, you know, do what we can as far as like continuing to put wind under each other's. Um, you know, baby Gemini wing. So, um, yeah. So, all right. On Monday, that's the 30th of November, as Jonah said, we have this Gemini full moon eclipse. And so eclipse seasons are like pretty interesting. We like to talk about them a lot on the show. Um, I mean, they happen twice a year, but <laughs> we, we tend to used to get a lot of questions about nodes. So, so like, just to frame this out, like what's actually happening when it's an eclipse season? Well, the sun and the moon are hitting what are called the lunar nodes of the moon. And when they line up at these two, you know, at these points in the sky, um, the sun and the moon actually line up so that they can block each other out and essentially interrupt our capacity for keeping track of linear time, right? When the sun and the moon disappear, um, linear time, as humans have been measuring it since humans had eyes, it, it collapses. It's freaky. It's weird. Um, when in the past, when kings uh, would, you know, see an eclipse happening in the sky and an astrologer would have failed to, uh, to predict it, that astrologer typically would be beheaded, right? So eclipses were considered serious affairs in terms of the, um, you know, authorities um, because they were considered to be omens of the collapse of a king or a certain type of authority. I think it's pretty nice that as eclipse season has begun to open um, in, you know, the latter half of 2020, post-election 2020, um, we get this eclipse uh, you know, that is actually visible from the North American continent, as well as much of South America, parts of Asia, and some other places, I believe. But anyway, we get this eclipse that's visible from here. And we have, you know, the GSA has finally given Biden a green light on like, okay, transition of power, like get, re get set, ready, go. And um, we're kind of seeing that like the, the archetype of the 45th president, um, <laughs> Donald Trump, you know, is fading. Like as much as he wanted to like continue spewing false truth about, you know, like this election is false, it just didn't hold. There were too many votes on behalf of the other party. So, um, so what kind of like archetype was slash is uh, the 45th president? You know, he loves 
fake news. He loves, you know, like truth, not really being relevant. He loves to like say things that have no foundation in fact. And I think that this is pretty interesting that we're seeing, you know, at least a current signal for the transition of power away from him. Um, as we have our South node in Sagittarius, which wants us to clear out false um, thesis statements or false truths, right? Um, Sagittarius, while Jonah might not like uh, hearing about the shadow side of Sagittarius, <laughs> as Jonah is a um, big, beautiful, robust Sagittarius. <laughs> <laughs> With like four planets in Sagittarius and like four uh, asteroids as well. <laughs> Um, but I have the moon in Sagittarius. So, you know, I have a lot of relationship with the unconscious side of Sagittarius as well. And I'm more than happy to talk about it for you. So, <laughs> um, so Sagittarius, you know, the, the darker side of Sagittarius is like clinging to old mythologies, clinging to old truths, just because that's what was passed down to you from institutions and from, um, <clears throat> you know, what you might consider your higher ups, you know, or your elders or whoever clinging to those truths just because they were handed to you. That's like a sad Sagittarius rap. And um, when we have our North Node in Gemini, which is where we're heading in this particular eclipse, and this is an eclipse happening on the North Node, we're going toward questioning everything we're told, constantly asking for the new for the creation of new truth, right? And always adding new perspectives and having conversations with all of our peers anyone we can get our you know get to talk to us that's you know gemini is like hey can you tell me what you think about this right so jonah what do you think about this do you have any thoughts so far oh i've got tons of thoughts um <laughs> you know uh yeah i think sticking with this sort of north node in gemini is really about like um expanding our perspective on like what the truth is Sag sagittarius is like very uh, fixed in its ways. It's um, the shadow side is that it's blinded by its belief. And, um, you know, I think that the antidote to that, uh, like Amalia is saying, is being in discussion, like being able to gather new viewpoints, being able to take everything apart so that I can look at it and put everything back together again and figure out how it works. Um, and with these things coming up, uh, you know, I'm I keep thinking about conspiracy theories, about uh, fake news, about um, you know people uh, not believing in the election results because somebody told them that the election was rigged. And I think the whole election process is really fascinating um, in relation to this eclipse. I think like the archetypes of the North Node in Gemini and the South Node in Sagittarius are really playing out in the in political theater and people being, you know, Trump being like, this election was rigged and saying that repeatedly and people just believing that because that's what they wanna believe or that makes them feel better or that uh, fits in with their belief system is really like Sagittarian South node things. And like um, being able to question like what's actually going on? Like, why do you, why do you have that belief um, is kind of this like a uh, more Gemini North node. And, you know, I think about this in relation to myself where I'm like, huh, that's preposterous, right? Like, um, and the places that 
I'm like, uh, that I like blindly believe as well. And I think it's really important to like approach things with curiosity and being like, whoa, isn't that interesting that all these people believe that? Like, let's have a discussion about that. And just instead of being like, oh, I think you're an idiot or like, that's untrue. Like to be able to be in curiosity and wonder about other people's viewpoints and to hold your point of view and somebody else's point of view simultaneously and be in discussion so things that can evolve instead of just dismissing or um, discarding or being like that doesn't fit in with my system so fuck that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely crucial to open up to what basically will feel like chaos, right? The rocking of and the shaking of and the reformulation of your beliefs and your um, foundational ways of perceiving reality, right? And that is what Gemini loves. <laughs> and the North Node in Gemini is sort of saying like, push that increase button on the chaos of constantly, you know, shifting your belief systems which of course this is like all things a season or an or you know a little bit of a, a an era um where soon the north node will not be in gemini anymore right and uh you know by uh by the end of next year it will not be in gemini anymore and i, I have to fact check that it could be 2022 but um but Basically, you know, it's not like you have to always be pushing the increase button on chaos. So don't stress yourself out about it as like this will be forever, right? But it's critically important right now, which you can see when you watch political theater. Um, <clears throat> but speaking of things that's critically important, I'm going to just go off the um, map a little bit. And because there's something I want to come back to, Jonah, uh, about your you were talking about this video the clip that you were watching um but i do want to just talk about you know continuing to open up your perspective and make a shout out to the moment in time when we're recording this episode which is the day before thanksgiving and we're probably going to release it on thanksgiving day proper which thanksgiving day is a day that we have a lot of collective mythology about on this continent about it being a day to celebrate when you know white settlers were you know, having a good, uh, abundant harvest feast with indigenous people and indigenous people helped out settlers and settlers were grateful and da da da. So um, this is actually a day that really celebrates the, you know, colonization of this continent. And it's basically um, a celebration in spite of, and sometimes we might consider it's a celebration of, um, as horrendous as it sound, um, sounds, uh, indigenous, you know, the genocide of indigenous people on this continent. So we just wanna throw out um, that we're gonna put some uh, research links in the notes and we really hope that you'll go down them around how to do land reparations and be in solidarity with indigenous people and figure out how to pay land tax or reparations to the people who originally lived on land and, and in all likelihood, you know, may still live uh, on the land where you are, right? People about whom the mainstream culture is not aware because they've been pushed aside by the mainstream institutionalized knowledge about the land where you live. So in keeping with clearing out Sagittarius institutionalized knowledge you know, that we've received and in keeping with our moving toward the North Node about learning and creating new truths and creating new ways of passing knowledge on um, we encourage you to make take advantage of those notes um, that we will provide you with, that we'll link you to. Right, and you know I think that 
um, it's really important to, like you were saying, to really um, uh, interrogate the story of Thanksgiving that uh, like we're sold in America about you know, what that mythology is and how that is passed down from like it, through institutions. And it is a system of institutional learning of like, this is how Thanksgiving was and this is why we celebrate it. And this is why it's like such a great day. Um, and to really interrogate that and be like, actually like what's going on? Like what's mm -hmm. really happening with this? What is the actual story around this? Um, because so often the victors get to write the write the mythology and write the history and you know now that we're living in a time where there's uh, much more information available and that information doesn't come from the gatekeepers um, in the same way like our teachers or Walter Cronkite like giving you the news and like the news is the gospel now it's like there is a plurality which is really Gemini Geminian um, <laughs> and Geminiacal and uh, we get to we get to uh, learn from a sort of broad spectrum. This being said, um, and this being said that there is, it's really easy as well with the internet to just go down rabbit holes into echo chambers. And we'll sort of get, get into that a little later as we're talking about Neptune squaring the nodes. Um, but really like, you know, being able to look at multiple points of view, get multiple sources to really um, evolve our understanding of what truth is in this time, I think is super important. Yeah, I, I love that you're bringing up that there is a plurality now of voices. It makes me think about how a few years ago, um, Teen Vogue came out with a video about, um, that was, you know, what, what does Thanksgiving mean to me? And it was by entirely like young indigenous women, right? Speaking, what does Thanksgiving mean? What, what did Thanksgiving mean to them and their families and their cultures, you know, which had created or like severely um, like, uh, you know, dismantled or attacked by like the, by the colonial mainstream white supremacist culture in this country. And, um, and that is the beautiful thing about, um, yeah, where we are now and all of them, variegated places that we get our information from. And so one thing with the Gemini moon um, and the Gemini eclipse, this is a really powerful opportunity to be checking your methods. I'm not even gonna say like check your sources all that hard. I mean, of course, check your sources, but check your methods here in terms of like, do you get your information from multiple sources? Do you get off the internet to get information? As in, do you talk to people around you, right? Gemini is really about the twin archetype and the twin archetype is, um, you know, it says that we all, we all sort of grow up with other young people around us in whom we find ourselves. Right. So we're kind of looking around to see, like, what am I? Who am I? You know, and one thing that we do as children when we're learning is we learn to mirror the faces of those around us and develop basic things like empathy and, um, you know, just like basic communication. We communicate so much with our faces. The one thing I would encourage you to do uh, as this archetype becomes so important is to walk around, you know, or to, to look around and see, see yourself in others, 
you know, and to see no matter how different they are to see, like, how are we alike? How are we twins? Right. How are we siblings? How are we related? That's something that, you know, humans are all like 99.9% genetically similar. Right. And there's a lot of hype about how different we are. Um, but this is an opportunity to go look at that 99.9% similarity <laughs> and um, see how you can basically connect with anyone and everyone around you. I think it's also interesting that, you know, I mean, the it's a global pandemic and we're all wearing masks and we can't actually really see each other's faces or mirror each other's faces. <laughs> so um, it's like an even better time to be trying to talk to people, to communicate with people um, using your words, which Gemini wants you to find out how can you use your words to communicate accurately, right? As opposed to relying on um, more Cancerian things like, um, you know, tone of voice, like uh, facial expressions and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, the Gemini love of words really, um, it sort of comes in here and it asks us to be making sure that we're using our words um, and, and refining the way that we use our language to communicate with one another. And um, yeah, do you have any thoughts, Jonah? Yeah, I, you know, whenever I think about like Gemini and communication, there's uh, the stereotype that Gemini's just talk and talk and talk. <laughs> They're just like little chatty Cathy's, um, which may be true, but also, uh, you know, we think about communication being a two-way street and listening being the other pole of that and how important it is also in gathering information to listen, um, right? To like be in communication in conversation with people and not just like being super excited and, uh, like talking over everybody because you have all these ideas with um, but being able to listen and take in and gather this information um, both from yeah your conversations but also all of the senses um, and being able to bring in this information and assimilate it to help build you know this understanding of uh, the truth and I keep like uh, I keep putting truth in air quotes I don't know if you can feel that out there um, and I think that's like a really interesting thing that we're experiencing now is um, like a new shifting understanding of what the what truth is um, but I, I want to talk about this article that I read in Newsweek uh, recently which is basically talking about a Twitter video um, the article's called I'm kind of dumb Proud, Proud Boys supporters honest interview answers go viral. Um, and it's a Twitter video by, I believe, Vicky Voyer. Um, I hope I said that right. But basically, it's this Proud Boy being like, I'm kind of dumb and I'm stuck in my ways and I don't really question things and I just react by like knee jerk. Um, and the young woman who's interviewing him is like, you're not dumb. Like, I don't think you're dumb. And you like see, he's wearing a mask, but you see something like shift in his eyes while he's like trying to take this in. And I like this, I keep thinking about this article and about this video because it really sums up this access for me of somebody just being like, yeah, I believe what I'm told because like I'm too old to change. And like, I just like to react to things and I'm kind of dumb and I like behave like a dog you know, which is a very Sagittarian South node. And this person like sort of like asking him to question that and being like, you're not dumb. Like, why do you think you're dumb? You know, like what, what would happen if you thought for yourself? And like, 
you know, you can see sort of, I don't know if you can see a change, but you can see this person, like something beginning to open up as they begin to question what that reality is that they've just been offered and why, you know, why they believe that they're dumb and why they believe that they can't think for themselves. Um, and I think these are super interesting questions to be asking each other, to be asking ourselves, like, how did I arrive at this? Why do I believe this? You know, why, why do I think this is the way it is? Um, and I think kind of on the flip side of this, um, what's happening with the election is we're all being asked to question the American system of democracy and how the election worked. And like, why do we have a fucking electoral college? And like, why is there a GSA bureaucrat who gets to be the gatekeeper of the presidency? Like there's somebody at the, the DMV being like, no, I won't review your license. Like you're back of the line, take another number, you know, like, and democracy or the ideal of democracy is something that I think that we all have just taken for granted and blindly believed as Americans, you know, being like, oh, we're America. This is the greatest democracy in the world. And then now it's like, oh, actually, is this the greatest democracy? Is this even a democracy? Why does this democracy function like this? How can somebody win by 8 million votes, but have their presidency contested because of a few thousand votes in one state? Like, what's up with that? Yeah, um, really fucking good point. <laughs> Questioning the things we've all been told. Um, we don't actually live in a democracy, BT dubs. <laughs> we live in a republic, um, which if you need to figure out the difference between that, you know, feel free to go look it up to everyone listening. But basically what it means, you know, my understanding, um, which of course I should always continue refining, but my understanding of what it is to live in a democratic republic is that we live in, we have a system where we elect officials to make decisions for us, right? Um, in the case of the presidency, bull hooey bullshit we don't elect the president <laughs> we elect people uh who will then elect the president for us right with the electoral college which is an over complex over complicated um way of getting a, a dude into office or you know ideally not always a dude but um and now we even have someone who's not a dude and you know the vice presidential office which is exciting so we can we see that um, even through the electoral college, like we are seeing like, okay, like we can diversify about who our leaders are, right? But the illusion that the, that we as um, a people, you know, make decisions in this country is pretty strong, you know? I mean, we do elect our our local officials, but as far as like who's, who's operating on the national scale, it's, this is, this is a republic. Um, so these are like good myths to question and like thinking about like, well, if we want democracy, you know, like what, what do we do to actually create that? You know, like, why don't we stop using that language <laughs> when um, it's not true and we know that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I have to say in response to that about, <laughs> the, you know, this is, we've been having occasion to question um, democracy, uh, thankfully, since we don't live in one. Um, but then the other thing I wanted to respond to is that that is, uh, is just how beautiful that, um, you know, the interaction between that reporter and that proud boy sounds. Um, I haven't actually watched that and I really want to now because um, how beautifully Gemini <laughs> to just say, like, you're not dumb. I don't see you as dumb. I see you as a person who can change and think too, right? And that, it makes me think of, um, 
I just listened to Brene Brown interviewing Dolly Parton, which was like all my dreams come true. <laughs> but um, Brene Brown at a certain point says to Dolly, like, true or false, um, you are a person who gives people benefit of the doubt. And Dolly was like, true. <laughs> she was like, of course I give people the benefit of the doubt. And she talks about how she goes around like looking for the god light she said um looking for the god light and everybody around her so that she can see that and talk to that and while i personally you know like would use a different language about how to find like the best <laughs> you know side of a self um i think that's the most beautiful idea you know that's like well how can i find this thing that kind of like unites us all like what light is behind everybody's eyes right and how can i talk to that right so like this this reporter saying to this guy who's like i'm dumb like i can't change my beliefs she's like well you know well I, if i have this light behind my eyes i imagine you do too right and it also makes me think of um well there's this quote from dumbledore you know <laughs> in harry potter <laughs> um i it's toward the end of the whole harry potter jam and he says um he says to harry after harry has died and they're having like a conversation and and harry's brief afterlife before he's back to life um dumbledore says words are in my now so humble opinion our most inexhaustible source of magic capable of both inflicting harm and remedying it and um i really love this idea of someone inflicting a wound upon themselves with words of like i'm too dumb to change my mind and someone coming with their words and remedying that and being like right i don't think you're that dumb <laughs> i see some light behind your eyes um and so this is just like a really simple way of 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 helping people to repair, you know, is like pointing out to them, you know, listening to them and what they see about themselves, but pointing out to them also like what you see about their capacity for heal and healing and resilience. And, um, you know, where you can bring that sort of Gemini, Gemini and re reflection of like, we've all got it, you know, we're all, we all have that similarity. We all have this animating force that makes us capable of growing with one another. Um, yeah, if you can do that, you're doing a great Gemini job. Yeah. Oh, I love that, Amalia. Um, uh, that gives me shivers. You know, well, and like, you, like, you know, when you're talking about uh, the God light or, you know, that these interactions, um, I just think about another Gemini quality of like curiosity and wonder. And instead mm -hmm. of like knowing, right, or believing or thinking or being blinded by your belief, being really curious, even if somebody has a different point of view. And, you know, I think about um, having a conversation recently with a friend of mine who had a very different point of view around uh, the pandemic and, you know, the, like, was telling me about a bunch of conspiracy theories. And I, like, we, the first time we talked about it, I was uh, really busy and didn't really have the bandwidth to, like, talk to them about it and I find my found myself getting annoyed and I was like oh I can't believe this person believes these things uh mm -hmm. and then you know I sort of reflected on that and I was like that's not how I want to be like I actually am like really curious about what these ideas are you know whether I believe them or not like I'm curious to pursue this train of thought I'm curious what this other 
person's ideas are like i'm curious how like weird and expansive they can be and how that expands my world instead of being like oh that like you know harsh is my reality mellow i can't hold the space for you know bill gates being a lizard person like you know i hope that I hope that I can always hold the space for Bill Gates being a lizard person, you know? <laughs> like, I hope that like that possible, like I can always explore that possibility, even if that's not really what I believe, you know, or like hold to be true, air quotes. But like, I hope that I can explore, you know, a myriad of different possibilities and be very curious about like why other people hold their views and not judge them, but be like, oh, isn't that interesting? Let's talk about that. Like, isn't that cool that you think about that? Like, let's see where this goes. Let's see how this can evolve my belief and like my truth and also evolve your truth. And I think that's uh, a really exciting quality that we're being asked to sort of move into instead of shutting things down and being like, no, that doesn't, oh, that doesn't jive with my reality, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, I love it. And, you know, the thing this is making me think about um, is responsibility and like taking responsibility for like, what do you want to do with your thoughts and your words and your interactions? And um, responsibility makes me think about Saturn <laughs> and how Mercury in this chart, which just happens to be the ruler of this event, you know, the Gemini event, Mercury rules Gemini. Uh, Mercury is sextiling Saturn and by proxy Jupiter and Pluto as well in this chart. So I think this is very lovely, lovely influence for a perfectly manic moment in the skies right <laughs> um because while gemini is all chaotic and like freaky and um like just kind of all over the place saturn is over here talking to the ruler of this moon and saying like stabilize baby stabilize <laughs> and um you know get your goals a bit more in order you know and think about like where do you want to go and what do you want to do here so um well what do we want to do and where do we want to go well mercury <laughs> has some answers mercury is in scorpio still and um scorpio likes the hunt for psychological depth and um and like it just takes us inward and inward and inward and inward into the cave. <laughs> and so Scorpio, you know, is the famous spelunker. So, um, so Mercury and Scorpio sextiling Saturn sort of helps us to gain depth. You know, Gemini likes to hang out on the surface. That's its talent. That's where it's, it's happy place. And then the fact that the ruler of this, of this Gemini event is in, in Scorpio says that, you know, if you want, when you're having conversations with people, you can take that shit deep you know like what kind of interaction are you having with people i know for myself i've been having some experiences with um you know some long distance communications where i'm just like man the way that they use this one word really hits this deep little wound inside of me and now i'm gonna follow that little kernel and then i'm gonna like suddenly realize that like this particular childhood event never went away <laughs> you know there's just like a process that's useful in terms of like oh how can i figure out you know how to be a little bit more open how to be a little bit more compassionate both toward myself and toward everyone i'm in conversation with that's all just particularly available right now um and <clears throat> um yeah i think it also really makes it easier to have hard conversations because well, hopefully, you know, as those pandemic numbers rise, um, you are spending 
this holiday season not um, sharing your dreams with lots of people, um, it's still possible that you'll be talking to your family during this time, right? And this is a charged time to be talking to family. Man, I've seen people acting crazy this year. <laughs> people are under a lot of stress, right? And so um, it's likely that you'll be having harder conversations during this time, whether or not, you know, this is because of a holiday, but just in general, people are having a hard time. So this gives you some responsibility in, you know, or like sense of responsibility in holding your own psychological dramas as you have harder conversations and holding space for other people's psychological dramas, um, you know, as you try to genuinely come to something that can grow both of you. Yeah, totally. You know, and yeah, thank you for bringing up the fact that uh, the holiday season is like a really difficult triggering time. And, you know, I think Lord Saturn is a representative of like having to talk to your family that you don't agree with, you know, <laughs> or like having those difficult conversations. But, you know, also, um, I think Mercury is uh most closely sextiling Saturn, but uh, anything that's happening in Capricorn, right? Anything that's happening with Saturn is also happening with Jupiter and Pluto. So this like gives us the opportunity uh, to have kind of transformative conversations, transformative thoughts, and to like think outside of the box, right? Think out with the Jupiterian influence to kind of expand our viewpoint. And there is all of this support to like do this uh, kind of difficult, uh, transformational and expansive work uh, around Gemini, around Mercury, around our thought processes, around our conversations, being able to have the hard conversation that you maybe didn't necessarily want to have, but you know that you need to so that you can expand the world that you live in, so that you can transform uh, your relationship or like your viewpoint. And I think this is all pulling us towards that North Node, or there's all of the support to help, to help us move towards that North Node. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, this is just making me think a little bit about how um, Gemini really like we're being asked to move toward that Gemini North Node, but it really reminds us that like growth is a continual project, right? And so if you're revisiting material, you know, that's like been triggering for you, family material, personal material, interpersonal material, if you're finding this stuff that you thought you had figured out, you know, or like, you know, cleaned up for yourself, like Gemini says, like nothing is ever done. We're all, we're eternally adolescent, you know, the gen and the fact that we have a big Gemini event now says like your inner adolescent needs attention. <laughs> so don't, uh, don't forego that. Don't forget that that's critically important at this time. Otherwise you will more likely flop and have something like a broken bone rather than a bruised ego um, right now. Uh, and so, yeah, just be mindful of the attention that your younger self needs. This is less inner child than it is inner adolescent, the one that's like, you know, trying to like go and have like conversations and like talk and figure out the meaning of life with people. You know, this is, this is less about nurturance. This is not a cancer event. This is like a Gemini event. This is more about how you interact with people and how you do that in a way that really, that really defines your character and your identity, you know? That said, um, this being time, a time where our interactions are rich for, you know, identity creation and, and making us into new versions of who we are, um, please do not think it will not be challenging. <laughs> the, um, 
you know, because we have our primary uh, relator in the zodiac um, is Venus, right? Venus rules how we relate to people. And Venus currently is in Scorpio saying that we're going to be relating to people through deep subterranean, potentially quite subconscious material. And then Venus is also in opposition with Uranus, who is the big disruptor of the sky. So um, essentially there's major opportunity for things to feel disruptive, for things to feel challenging and for our relationships with people to feel like rocky and unsettled. And rest assured, that's exactly where they should be right now. <laughs> as much as that might feel shitty and, and uh, untimely, you know, the world is falling apart, there's a pandemic, things are weird, um, but trust me, it's timely. So <clears throat> a little bit of guidance on how to respond maybe to unsettling aspects of relationship is, um, remember this is Venus in Scorpio and there are ways to be Venus in Scorpio as opposed to being Venus in Libra, right? Or Venus in Pisces or something, right? Venus in the signs where Venus likes to be, um, like Libra or Pisces. Venus is gonna be a little bit more like when a conflict rises from those other signs, Venus will be like, well, how can I make this more harmonious? Or, you know, how can we smooth these crunchy parts of the relationship over? How can I make things more just and fair? That's like Venus in another sign. Venus in Scorpio is more like, okay, here's a conflict. How do I hunt for the psychological knots in my own subterranean consciousness? <laughs> um, you know, and how do I discover more about myself? And also maybe how do I discover about the psychological knots that somebody else is working through as well, right? How can I discover more about this terrain so that I can engage it more fully prepared, right? And so this is Venus... Um, working with a whole different set of values than just justice, harmony, and beauty, right? Which is great when Venus works with those values. That's great too. But this is, this is just a different time where the, the values that Venus has is more like, how can we do more transformative healing here, right? And how can we... Um, also, I think a big question here is how can we prepare ourselves for the psychologically, psychologically troubling reality of a pandemic that is long, <laughs> you know, and how can we um, develop a little bit more skill in dealing with constant disruption, aka, how can we become more resilient? Mm. Yeah, I love that. You know, and I think about this as um, like uh, Uranus or like, Uranus as like Prometheus bringing fire into the Scorpio cave to sort of illuminate what's going on uh, deep in the depth. And, you know, when somebody turns on the light in like a spooky situation, you're like, oh shit, there's like spiders all over me. Ah! <laughs> and there's like a tendency to freak out, but it's really important so that like you don't have spiders all over you, right? Or snakes or whatever it is that you're afraid of, right? And this helps this um, sort of illumination, this shakeup, um, this Uranus shakeup helps to uh, really like bring uh, a better understanding into our relationships, into our like how we do relationship, how we do intimacy, 
um, how we deal with like what's mine and what's yours, right? These are like um, Venus in Scorpio is like merging and like real intense sort of like uh, figuring out intimacy, whereas Uranus in uh, Uranus in Taurus is about like ownership and like what's mine and like what are my resources and having that illuminated. Um, I think is really helpful. It's also like, what are our values here? You know, what is important to me? What um, repulses me? What draws me to it? And, you know, I think there's all of this kind of electricity, both with the eclipse and with um, uh, Uranus in, in uh, opposition to Venus, really like bringing these things up and things being shooken up and um, really calling us to question what our reality is, what our truth is, what's being presented to us, what feels good, what feels right, like what uh, we want to cultivate moving forward. That being said, I think there's a lot of nervous energy and a lot of um, uh, pressure on the nervous system. Um, and so to kind of take it easy where you can and care for your nervous system, trying to uh, release that energy in healthy, productive ways, um, being aware of burnout, adrenal fatigue, uh, you know, uh, nervous energy, panic attacks, uh, things like that are all things that can come up with like sudden shocks like mm -hmm. Uranus might bring to relationship, to values, um, to, uh, you know, uh, to the thought processes. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think it's really, really good to remind people to take care of your adrenal fatigue um, and just continue working on that front, especially as Uranus traverses Taurus, sort of constantly shaking up the ground beneath our feet. Um, yeah, something else that you're talking about as far as like something that got triggered in my brain when you were like, okay, like, what do I, what do we share? What do we not share? Um, one thing that was popping into my mind is that Venus in Scorpio is pretty good about boundaries and Uranus in Taurus also being about um, ownership. What's mine? What do I own? I really keep thinking, I hope that lots of people already feel really familiar with this, but I think it's worth just mentioning that white people, um, you know, like dressing up as Indians on um, Thanksgiving and, you know, like dressing up in buckskin things and uh, sort of just like appropriating indigenous culture out of the wazoo is something we really want to think about here in terms of having, practicing like powerful boundaries around saying like, some things are not mine, some things are mine and some things are not mine, right? Uranus and Taurus helps us, uh, you know, um, think about like, what do I own or what can I do justice to, you know, like if it's in my possession or, you know, like if it's something that I'm like tending, right? And, um, and so that's something that I just wanna encourage people to think about as well. And like also just thinking about like, um, you know, food systems in general with Uranus and Taurus, right? And this is like, this is a moment in time, this this um, national holiday. It's a time when it's really good to be thinking about food systems and thinking about how a lot of the squash that you're eating, you know, is like uh, been tended to on this continent for many thousands of years prior to your ancestors presence here. And um, there are people who know how to do it better <laughs> than, 
you know, and like in ways that are more like reciprocal, healthy, you know, for the land and, and the humans. Um, this is a good time to maybe think about like, um, you know, how can you sort of renounce your ownership over a certain type of way of doing things and learn from other people, right? Um, and then the whole cultural cultural appropriation thing that happens around this time of year is really just embarrassing. And um, I, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already um, think about that. But if, you know, your mom needs to listen to this podcast <laughs> and, um, you know, or, or sort of visit the resources we're going to put in the show notes, then, you know, by all means, please share. Totally, totally. Um... Yeah, I just want to talk about uh, Neptune squaring the nodes real quick um, before we move on, um, which I think is another big piece of uh, this eclipse, um, because Neptune tends to bring up illusion, delusion, confusion, also paranoia. Um, and when we're talking about kind of the search for truth, and Neptune is at cross purposes with that, uh, we end up getting like conspiracy theories, we get um, kind of delusional thinking, um, we can get like martyr uh, mentality, we can also get uh, victim mentality. Um, and none of these are necessarily very helpful in our uh, quest for the truth or for new ideas for multiple points of view. Um, so I think that it's important to kind of, uh, as we go through this process and as we go through this eclipse see where there is this um like being able to be with the confusion being able to notice where uh we might be trying to escape um the information that's coming up where we're like oh i don't want to look at that because like we've always just done it this way you know and i'm not gonna uh really like be engaged in the gathering of information because it's scary because it's um, different because it challenges my belief system. And Neptune, I think, like lower, uh, lower octave Neptune is like really good at sort of disassociating from uh, the quest for truth, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas like a higher octave Neptune is that understanding of coming to uh, oneness and surrender through the gathering of information, through holding multiple points of view, if we're gonna talk about it in relation to the North Node, through like gathering, uh, gathering different opinions and ideas, we can like actually connect with each other and be part of uh, uh, the larger picture. And I think that these are just important things to consider as everything gets shook the fuck up uh, through this eclipse. Um, and we enter into this eclipse portal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad that you're bringing up that, um, you know, lower octave Neptune just will like check out and like sort of wash out our hunger for truth. And, you know, what this project that we have of like creating new truths and new stories. Um, <clears throat> and that higher octave Neptune is like, hey, you know, if you really think about it, anything that's true can be proven wrong <laughs> you know when you start to bring in other perspectives and gemini says okay chill other perspectives proving shit wrong i love doing that devil's advocate my favorite sagittarius is the one sort of left behind in the dust here in a way that's a little bit complex and so what we have to do is 
in order to keep this chart feeling balanced because this is a t-square and it's crunchy um so what we have to do in order to keep it feeling balanced is is remember that Sagittarius as I hope this pleases you Jonah but Sagittarius isn't all bad <laughs> so Sagittarius needs attention too meaning that Gemini needs to be creating coherent stories you know of like I had this belief and then I talked to this person and I realized this belief wasn't accurate and I've had this whole complex and like really crazy journey to get to this new understanding that I have. What do you think about that understanding? You know, so Gemini has this, um, you know, ever growing story, which Gemini can then tell to Sagittarius so that Sagittarius can say, oh, well, let me, let me take that story and pass that down on you know Sagittarius needs material ultimately right now we're clearing Sagittarius out a lot but we need to have Gemini remember it's always in relationship with Sagittarius right so where you're inviting chaos in and you're like getting lots of new perspectives just remember that record these stories record these processes so that it doesn't just slip into total chaos and Neptune can just wash it all out right yeah. but remember this is about the seeking of truth and the ultimate, um, ultimately the creation of connection, right? Or the creation of avenues of connection with one another, right? So just keep in mind um, connection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I love that. No, um, I think you, I think you summed that up really well. Thank you, Amalia. Right. Yeah. My pleasure um and thank you and uh are you ready to see a card for this man please how cute it's the six of cups which oh. is a card i was not expecting to see but you know that's kind of the beauty of cards you're not always expecting to see them it's not like the new moon in libra when we pulled justice you know <laughs> and um got sort of the most obvious answer we could get but no the six of cups for the, for the full moon in Gemini is really, to me, this speaks to fairy wishes and to the wishes that you get from having like one, you know, one part of your sort of twin unit um, sort of rooted in the imagination and the other part uh, sort of drearily like, okay, I'm in the third dimension and I just wish I was over there engaging in your fairy wishes journey with you, right? The Six of Cups is about um, these sweet sort of childlike memories um, that kind of keep us going and that keep us feeling um, couched in something sweet a lot of the time, right? Uh, the downside to this card, the Six of Cups, is, of course, that we stay in the illusion of our childhood wishes and that we stay in these uh, ideas of how the world is perfect if only we can keep this one boundary up, you know, or we can stay checked out to this degree, which I guess this really does tie in thematically pretty well with the Neptune square. Um, pretty strong, if you ask me. So this is about revisiting, I think, your childhood memories, your childhood desires and wishes and seeing what of those you want to keep now, you want to revisit and bring back because Gemini is about treating your inner adolescent, right? So this is about going into that and retrieving what you want and then leaving behind 
some of what feels maybe like destructive or delusional um, or unsustainable. Hmm. Totally, totally. Um, I think about, um, if I could add to that, I would I think about it as like having the child's mind, right? Being able to um, approach things with curiosity and wonder, being able to um, let go of uh, rigid beliefs and fixed ideas and being like, oh, like what's going on here? Like, let me, let me check this out. Let me uh, see how that affects my senses and being able to um, also like keep it simple, right? And like not overcomplicate things and not simple as in like the, you know, I already know what this is, but being able to be curious about something and instead of being like, oh, like let me overcomplicate this with like all of my projections about what it could be being like actually what's going on right now like what am i seeing what is this thing that i'm looking at like what is this conversation that i'm having what is the information that i'm gathering here um without judging it you know right yeah and the other thing that this is making me think about is that sixes in the tarot are quite lovely in general they are or like, you know, the lovers, for example, and the tarot is a six. You know what else is a six is the tower. <laughs> and the tower is actually about liberation in its way. And, this, and the lovers is about the liberation to connect with, um, you know, to connect with others genuinely. And while I'm not necessarily into astrological interpretations of the tarot, um, because that's like a later addition to the deck. And I think the deck itself speaks uh, more purely sometimes it, it just so happens that the lovers right which is a six is associated with gemini right um and so what sixes kind of do is they get us flexible they get us into a really nice sense of being able to reach upward to a higher aspect of ourselves um and to this uh, it allows us to do that through our connections with others, right? So the Six of Cups is about allowing ourselves to connect with others through the higher octave of our emotional body, right? Which means that if there's a part of you that's trying to close off, close yourself off from your feelings, um, this is not so wise right now, right? This is actually just going to be a wall between you and whoever you're trying to connect with. Um, the Six of Cups to me suggests that this is a good time to approach people and know that if you have a wall up, you're just going to encourage them to have a wall up and then you're not really going to get to anything interesting or useful for this time, right? So uh, take your walls down <clears throat> and remember that for all of us pretty universally, this is about reaching into our childhood material and being loving of it, accepting of it, and excited about its presence. You know, it's always an honor when material from your childhood shows up to be like, don't you remember this is who you are? Um, so be receptive to that. Sixes in general are receptive, even numbers in the tarot are receptive. So this is a beautiful time to just be receptive and um, in Gemini fashion, talk with people about it. Totally, totally, I love it. Um, cool, shall we move on to the transits? Let's do it. Okay. Right. Um, so on Tuesday, the 1st of December, <clears throat> can you guys believe that it's December? <laughs> um, that December is coming up. This is so whack. 
it's been a wild year <clears throat> but anyway on that day the first of december mercury will enter sagittarius which is quite interesting right after that full moon in gemini and mercury is gemini's ruler then goes into sagittarius where we've had the south node which we've been cleaning out right one thing this makes me think about is that Sagittarius is like the archer. Sagittarius has the bow and Sagittarius shoots the arrow in, in, um, in a seeking of truth, you know? Uh, so Sagittarius shoots the arrow and then pursues it. And by the time Sagittarius got to the arrow, truth moved, <laughs> right? And so Sagittarius never stops its pursuit of truth. Gemini creates truth, Sagittarius pursues truth. So what happens when Mercury enters Sagittarius is that um, the pressure is really on to reevaluate how you like make statements about the truth and how you think about the truth because suddenly, you know, Mercury, cognition, storytelling, communication, that guy, you know, or that person, that non-binary deity <laughs> is now um, kind of being pursued. You know, there's like a, a stronger eye there around like, how do you relate to truth in every word that you say in every action that you make in every facial expression that you share with anyone? <laughs> so, um, so one thing I wanna point out to you all um, and myself and everyone <laughs> is that it's a really good idea now to try to refrain from making statements that generalize or essentialize, right? So for example, this is not a good time. I mean, I've already made this mistake on the show, just saying it's hard in the culture that we live in, but it's a really good idea not to say, white people do this, <laughs> you know? Black people do this, indigenous people do this, Afghan people do this, it's bullshit. You know, <laughs> you need to like, um, if you're going to be making statements about things, you need to be questioning them thoroughly. And even if you find yourself making those essentializing statements, um, you know, you want to look for examples of things that contradict it, right? Mercury helps to bring a questioning process. So this just helps us more thoroughly um, clean out the ways that we stereotype people in this culture, the way that we mythologize people in this culture. And um, that should be helpful. Yeah, totally. And I think that Mercury moving into Sagittarius is um, helping us to see the bigger picture, which is Sagittarius is all about through the information that it gathers. Um, you know, Sagittarian season kind of happens when all the leaves fall from the trees and you're like, oh, I can actually see what's going on in the distance, right? And Mercury uh, moving in there is gathering that information to kind of assimilate, to create the, the bigger picture. And I think that it's really important not to get dogmatic about it um, as we've spent all of this time talking about uh, the downsides of Sagittarius um, through the Sagittarian South Node. But yeah, I think it's really important that um, Mercury is taking, you know, sort of the information that has gotten from this, uh, from this North Node eclipse and bringing it to Sagittarius to try and expand that view without judgment, without dogma, without a blind belief, um, you know, and to really uh, help interrogate our ideas of truth. Um, and realizing that truth is plural 
that there maybe is no one uh, hard, fast truth now that truth exists in the individual and is a very subjective thing. And it's about, instead of being like, no, this is the one truth, it's about being like, no, let's gather all of these truths together and be able to discuss them and move forward as we're like creating a bigger and bigger and bigger and more inclusive truth that then we can sort out, you know, for ourselves and be like, okay, how does this feel? Does this resonate? Like, what is it like with, if we sample a little of this, you know, mm. I think that's some of the gift that Mercury is bringing to uh, poor battered Sagittarius right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I love, cause what Gemini does is more, more, more um, and Mercury can follow suit with that. Um, so Mercury kind of, you know, Sagittarius loves the thesis statement. So Mercury comes in and is like, hey bro, your thesis statement doesn't really like uh, accommodate all these truths over here. So why don't we just pile a bunch of shit into this thesis statement and see what we want to edit out later, right? So what we get here is a long run-on thesis statement, um, which you want to, at this point, just accept that that's kind of appropriate, you know? <laughs> um, I'm sorry if you're trying to actually write a thesis at this time, because it's not, <laughs> not going to be so easy to make it concise. Um, but yeah, so Okay, so just to carry on, do we feel good with that aspect going on? Well, to carry on um, to Friday, the 4th of December, um, Mercury, which is now in Sagittarius, as we just discussed, will try in Chiron, which is quite lovely in terms of helping us integrate our wounds and our vulnerabilities into the process of seeking truth. So this is a good time to recognize, uh, maybe I don't have 2020 vision, you know? Maybe I should get some glasses before I start talking to people about truth, you know? Um, so, and, and just acknowledging it with humility, right? So where you realize that you're a little bit blind in one area, just acknowledge it, you know, and question, you know, ask people questions. Can you help me understand this more? Um, you know, how can I grow my wisdom um, or how can I integrate wisdom into my process of growing my knowledge is what this yeah. Do. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to speak to Chiron um, as being a teacher archetype. You know, it's often spoke of as the wounded healer, um, which is, you know, uh, appropriate and valuable, um, but less is it talked about as the teacher. And I think this is a really important thing to think about as Mercury, our kind of cognitive function, um, our ability to communicate, and Mercury um, as the information gatherer is training the teacher, right? And this is our um, like a time that we either can connect with people who can teach us um, and bring us information to help us grow. And similarly, like we also can step into a teacher role and share from our experience, from the places that we were wounded, that we've been able to get through hardship, that we've been able to heal our wounds and how um, valuable that information is to help each other grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Um, which is... Uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, the event that follows this is um, Venus and Scorpio trining Neptune in Pisces, which is on the, you know, the next day. So it's kind of happening in tandem, um, which Venus in, in Venus trying Neptune in general really helps us figure out like, um, how can we help each other, you know, because what's going on here is that Neptune is like the higher octave of Venus. They're both about connecting. Neptune is like, let's connect universally. Let's connect to God. 
Let's connect to oneness. Let's connect to everything at once. And Venus is like, how can I connect with you directly, right? And so when they come together, it's a lot easier to see um, in the other person like, oh, this beautiful, you know, thing that's in all of us, right? Which we've been talking about a little bit already. Um, so Venus and Scorpio trining Neptune and Pisces, <clears throat> um, it gives us an opportunity to do some healing on the relational front, right? Which is really good when we're doing so much um, trying to have conversations with people about truth. It's good to have good relationships with people in order to, you know, or like to be working on healing your relationships with people in order to be really listening to each other and gaining information from each other and putting the pieces together about what is the story, the agreed upon story, right? Um, so this is helpful. Um, it's a helpful couple of days, I think. And one thing too that this does, uh, Venus, when Venus trines Neptune is that Venus has just been opposing Uranus. Um, that's destabilized Venus, right? And so it's made relationships feel a little rockier, a little weirder, which maybe was very helpful for, um, you know, helping us get a little more access to our authenticity and realizing where we're different from people and where we don't connect with people. But now Venus and Neptune, like, or Venus trining Neptune kind of smooths some of that over and says okay like we get it we're different but like love <laughs> yeah yeah um you know and i i just have this image of venus and scorpio as you know climbing down through this cave and going deeper and deeper and darker and then all of a sudden the cave opens up into this vast expanse of the ocean and you know the moon is illuminating it and it's this understanding like you know, kind of the only way out is through and through going through this deep kind of psychological practice um, of Venus and Scorpio, then we come to this bigger picture. And this is really the place where, you know, we get to understand the concept of universal love through the interaction with another person and through the interaction with another person, we get to see a glimpse of the uh, universal interconnected oneness of everything. Bro, oh, that image stunning <laughs> it's so beautiful thank you um yeah that just gives me chills thinking about what kind of opportunity we have with this day and you know just how claustrophobic it can feel when we're trying to relate to people and like figure out like who am I who are you how do we go together and then like eventually you're just like fuck it look at this beautiful thing <laughs> you know this beautiful thing to which we both relate and that ultimately creates union you know or like a shared it becomes a shared experience it's something we can both appreciate and something we can get over our squabbles around you know yeah so oh beautiful um okay great so actually the following day late at night um and basically like into the early morning of the 7th so on Sunday, the 6th of December into Monday, the 7th, Mercury is going to revisit the exact degree where the sun was during the eclipse. Um, and eclipses are kind of like eclipse season is defined by the sun because as the sun goes and hangs out on one of the nodes, um, you know, and the moon cycles around more quickly, basically that's what the determines uh, eclipse season. Um, so the sun is very potent in eclipses, whether or not it was a lunar eclipse or a solar eclipse. 
And so when Mercury comes to this exact degree that the sun was at during the eclipse, what it gives us is um, a little more, it's like, it's like Mercury is dropping some clues for Sagittarius <clears throat> um, to figure out like what religion, like what religious codes that I've somehow been believing do I need to be dropping right now? You know, like what systems of belief do I need to be like letting go? And Mercury just helps out to make, make it seem a little clearer like what was this eclipse about? And so it's, it'll be helpful. Um, it's always helpful to see what house is this eclipse falling in because that's uh, for you personally, because that's the house where things will be getting shaken up. Um, but if uh, you don't have an understanding of what area of your life is getting shaken up by the eclipses on eclipse day, it's likely that when Mercury comes to visit this degree, things will become a little clearer to you about like, oh shit, I actually like grew up religious and I still haven't figured out how to release some of those beliefs that I was, you know, told or like, oh shit, like, you know, these, this uh, formative relationship in my childhood, like I still believe that like, I have to be that person in all of my other adult relationships, right? So these things may become clear to you. You may, it may become clear, like, okay, I have to drop this, that or the other. Um, or here's some puzzle pieces I have to work out around that, right? So, so yeah, that's a good day for getting some clues. So keep your pens out uh, on the 6th and 7th of December. Yeah, also, I just want to say, um, you know, maybe look at your chart and see if you have any planets at uh, eight degrees of any of the mutable signs. Um, that's Sagittarius, Gemini, uh, Pisces, and Virgo. And because those are like eight degrees or the first like 10 degrees probably um, are going to be really activated by this eclipse. Um, mm -hmm. So like, yeah, just a heads up for that. Great. Um, cool. Okay. So on Monday, the 7th, there's also a last quarter moon in Virgo, which is really just a really awesome time to release. It's a good time because Virgo loves to clean up, clean out and release. <laughs> and um so this is a good time to think about what rituals and practices you have in your day that like don't serve you. Uh, maybe that are like remnants or vestiges of an old um, set of codes that you used to operate by, you know, or under. Like, for example, you know, it may be that uh, on the last quarter moon in Virgo, you, um, you know, you swear never to celebrate Thanksgiving again <laughs> and instead pay land reparations to <laughs> um, whatever stolen land, you know, to the people who lived on whatever stolen land you live on. <clears throat> or, you know, you could realize that like drinking caffeine in the morning doesn't serve me. It can be mundane. It can be political. It can be spiritual. You can realize it's time to stop going to church or time to start going to church. So, so just think about how um, whatever rituals that are hollow at this point um, by Monday the 7th, it's a good time to be like, peace. Totally. I love that. Yeah. I'd oh. say it's a good day to quit smoking. <laughs> uh, uh, Jonah loves to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Wednesday the 9th of December. Um, I, I also just want to say, Jonah, I agree. And anyone out there who needs to quit smoking, 7th is a great day to do it. Okay. On the 9th of December. <laughs> 
Um, the sun in Sagittarius will square Neptune in Pisces, which this is really quite quite a risky day, if you ask me, the 9th of December, because it's really, really rich territory for delusional thinking. Um, <clears throat> so if you didn't accept the challenge of the Gemini full moon, if you didn't rethink, you know, what what kind of belief systems or mythologies you're operating under, if you didn't, you know, question like, hey, was this propaganda that I was taught, you know, was this like white man propaganda that I was taught in my history books? Um, yeah, the sun in Sagittarius squaring Neptune and Pisces on the 9th of December would be a great day for you to just like collapse into like and spiral out into like, I swear to God, this is true. Everyone else is wrong. I know I'm right. And nobody wants that to happen to you. So, so this is why we make this podcast. <laughs> um, so, so what this day can be is very rewarding. If you're um, kind of looking at like, okay, everything is an illusion. Neptune really likes to say that <laughs> everything is an illusion. And, you know, I get to choose what I partake in, in this illusion, right? And I get to choose um, how to get more, to get more understanding about how it works, right? Uh, rather than I get to know more about how to control and have power over, right? The sun in Sagittarius likes to, in, in its shadowy form, likes to say, you know, like, I can have power over the way that I think or feel, um, and Neptune in Pisces says, I'm sorry, but that's limited, right? And so what they're doing is um, they're curbing one another, right? Um, Saturn in Sagittarius or Sun in Sagittarius says, look, I have to have some agency here, right? And Neptune in Pisces says, okay, well, how about you have some agency in just trying to navigate and learn about the illusion as opposed to control it, right? And I will say there are days when like the whole, all the astrology is like control the illusion, <laughs> you know, but that's not today. Today, you know, is like, is more like learn about the illusion, right? Cool. So, um, so going onward and definitely not upward, but maybe more downward, <laughs> Venus in Scorpio, still in Scorpio, will sextile Pluto in Capricorn on the 10th of December. So this is cool because Venus in Scorpio meets her demonic ruler. <laughs> and um, she's made it through some challenges, you know, in this underworld journey that she's been going on. And this is kind of like she's been meeting like, you know, goblins and ghoulies who like pulled the rug out from under her um and made her realize certain things about how it's okay to fall on your ass and it's okay to have uncomfortable relationships um you know and then neptune and pisces came and said like gave her the opportunity to see like it's all an illusion and you know everything is fine um and like, if she's remained somewhat balanced and like in pursuit of truth during this time, this could be an opportunity when she meets Pluto in this friendly aspect, opportunity for her to sort of get some keys, you know, to um, the next 
basically her next journey and in a way out of the underworld because these are the later degrees of Scorpio. And so Pluto here now is, um, you know, and this is the 10th of December, it's a really great time for you to listen um, out to your subconscious because it might be like, here are some of the keys for how you can get back over, you know, above ground so you can start interacting with people in a way that's not quite as distorted or contorted around your own um, psychological knots and darknesses. Um, but maybe this is how you can, you know, finish out this leg of your under underground rite of passage. Yeah, and you know, the, the support that uh, Venus is getting from Pluto, I think kind of helps um, uh, create a sense of power and um, the experience of transformation around our desires and our relationship to our values. Um, and there's like all of this kind of deep underworld uh, unconscious energy that Venus is now moving through. Um, and there's all this power in that if uh, we have the bravery to be with it and we have the capacity to sit with it, um, you know, it can also show up as obsessiveness. It can show up as uh, need, needing or wanting to control, um, which seems to be a theme for that week. Um, but being able to just be with uh, what comes up and allowing it to kind of transform our relationship to desire and also taboo, right? Um, Scorpio and Pluto deal a lot with taboo and, you know, maybe your desires are taboo and maybe it's okay to be like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's what I'm into. And you know what? That feels good. So fuck all y'all. Um, and with that said, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, this is actually apt for what I was thinking about next, because on the same day, um, the sun and Sagittarius will trine Mars in Aries, which um, I think that because um, Mars is being so activated on this day as Venus is being activated, it's a bit feisty, you know, and Venus is in Mars's sign, Scorpio. So this is a really good day for, I mean, like Sun, sun and Sag training Mars really energizes the project of see, seeking like deeper levels of truth. And, um, and because Venus is so activated, we're also good at receiving um, about truth. And so this, I don't know, like when I was looking at this day, I was just thinking like, man, if you're like thinking about coming out or quitting like your soul question capitalist job, honestly, this is a great day. Pluto's totally like right there offering you the key. Like if you can just listen, it's like quit your job. Then <laughs> <laughs> Mars is like, well, fuck yeah, bro. I'm gonna quit it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there's, a, and also, I mean, the moon is waning. So there's just a lot going on around like releasing um, things that you thought that keep you, kept you safe, but that certainly didn't, you know, that ultimately were just restrictive. Um, so I think that's a really powerful theme for this moment. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, the sun treading Mars, I think the, the sun, when it was squaring Neptune, got a real uh, kind of battering to the ego or the ego kind of dissolves. And then when the sun uh, comes in uh, the supportive relationship with Mars, Mars is like, nah, dude, let's go. Let's go. Let's let's go explore. You know, let's expand in all these ways. And uh, we get a renewed sense of self and all of this energy um, towards our desires and our goals and our bigger and um, kind of expanding into that bigger picture. Um, which I think, you know, the square to Neptune helped us to 
kind of glimpse maybe we didn't understand it because that was confusing as fuck but now uh there's all this energy to like you know step into maybe a bigger idea of the self um which yeah quit your job if you want to yeah um i also love that image of sun in you know when the sun squared neptune of the, it dissolving the ego because so many parts of the ego can be like well i'm a person who has this job or well I make this much money, you know, and when we dissolve those parts of the ego and they stop to have so much of a hold on us, we do get all this renewed energy for our true ambitions of like, actually, maybe I just want to resource myself in a totally different way. Maybe I just want to go like garden and tell stories to my friends while we garden, you know, I don't know, like you can really shift like what, what your desires are. And maybe your desires are like, fuck, man, I need to like get a job that really makes me feel fulfilled, you know, like whatever it is, um, you know, when, it, you know, if maybe you had previously had the idea that you're a person who like never wants to have a job or never, you know, who's like not into that, you know, maybe you can shift um, basically like your ego gets a new, a really powerful opportunity for renewal. <clears throat> So, um, on Sunday the 13th of December, Mercury in Sagittarius will square Neptune, which I think is pretty similar to when the sun squared Neptune, but it's more intensely about um, working out the kinks of the thought structures that bind you um, to inhibiting belief structures or belief systems or the thoughts that keep you from moving toward, you know, those goals that you've just been um sort of, you know, your relationship with uh, has been rejuvenated, right? So if you're having a sense of like, oh, well, I get it. I just want a garden. You know, then there's going to be these thoughts of like, well, you don't have access to land. There's no way you can do that. You know, all of these things that we've been taught by, you know, many generations of being um, colonized and <laughs> separated from land and all these ideas that just don't have to be true, right? So there is always a way to get around things and things only have power if you believe in them. Um, you know, this is something that uh, there's, Jonah, you were mentioning this actually in your notes for the show. Um, I don't think we've actually talked about it here, but things like money. Money only is real because we believe in it, right? And what's funny is democracy is only real because we believe in it. Only democracy isn't even real, even though we believe in it. But, um, but you know, we have this illusion. Um, you know, we have these illusions that we just collectively agree upon, and they become real. And Mer when Mercury squares Neptune, there's a real opportunity for saying, like, "Wait, dude, this is an illusion." You know, this idea, like, I can only ever get access to land if I have this much money to buy it. Illusion. There's someone out there, you know, woof, I don't care what you do. There's someone out there who's going to give you some space to garden. <laughs> so figure it out. Okay, so this is really about figuring out, like, are you just letting a system of belief keep you restricted or keep you imprisoned? Um, because chances are the answer is yes. <laughs> if you feel like you really can't um, do what you, you know, do what you want to do or find a way. And things can be hard and things can be difficult, but that's what the hero's journey is about, you know, is understanding like it may be difficult, but I know I can get and move in this direction. 
Um, so yeah, there's like definitely some nice upliftment and like liberation that gets to happen if we're really with it by, you know, mid-December. Yeah. So, um, or what's that, Jenna? Oh, it also, um, I just want to point out on that day, it's going to be really confusing. Like thought processes are going to slow down. Um, you know, uh, you might feel misunderstood. Uh, so just give everything a little bit more space because it's going to feel like really dreamy and weird and confusing and kind of like you're uh, moving through pudding. Um, but like maybe uh, just allow that, allow, allow a little extra space so you can move through pudding um, on that day. And then we're going to move into uh, the next total solar eclipse um, on the 14th, but we'll get to that next time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel so excited uh, about that one, you know, definitely like Mythbusters Supreme. So I can't wait for um, our next episode. And yeah, so um, I'm curious, John, if you have stuff you want to share about what you're up to right now um, before we close up. Um, I'm available for tarot and astrology readings. Uh, things are getting pretty booked up for the end of the year, but um, hit me up and we can schedule some time. Uh, 2021 is going to be a pretty wild year also. Um, so I'm uh, hoping to offer as much support as I possibly can to help everybody navigate that. Um, you can uh, book with me through my Instagram at blind stallion space wizard. Um, yeah, just DM me. Uh, and yeah, that's the best way to contact me. Also, I have a Patreon um, I got a bunch of great content on the Patreon, including an astro weather radio show, which is a playlist every week uh, talking about the transits. Um, so that's a pretty cool thing that you can access for less than the price of a cup of coffee. Um, there's also a bunch of other great content up there for less than the price of a sandwich. So if you want to and you're curious, come join me over at Patreon because uh, it's always a party there and you can do so by going to Patreon forward slash Camp Wizard Camp and uh, yeah, join the party. Uh, what about you, Amalia? Yeah, um, I am also getting ready for 2021 um, year ahead readings, which um, I'm sure I'm gonna have a special, I'm gonna figure out the dates for that, but sometime in December. And um, yeah, Jonah and I are also getting ready for our 2021 year ahead podcast so we're getting excited about that because it really is um well a historical moment so yeah we've just been um I think both <clears throat> working on that and I'm just as ever seeing clients and um I look forward to seeing you if you want to see me and if you want to see me um then you can book on my website um which is the hair in the moon.com um, or you can DM me, but I'm very slow with DMs, so booking is best. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all for me. And we <clears throat> cannot wait to see you next time with the Solar Eclipse in Sagittarius. And we thank you all for being here. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can keep reaching the audience. And um, yeah, we thank you for your presence. <laughs>